My name's Clay, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to see you guys here this morning. And if I haven't had the chance to meet you, come on up and say hi afterwards. I'd love to meet you and just get to know you for a couple of minutes if you've got time for that. As uh, Michael mentioned, we are in the last week of our series that we're calling Uncommon Courage, and we've been looking at the lives of different men and women in the Bible and looking at how God worked in them and through them and how he gave them some pretty uncommon courage in the midst of some pretty challenging circumstances. And when you think about uh, Mary's life, it would kind of be an understatement to say that the angel's announcement to her that she was going to uh, be pregnant with the Son of God was a turning point or a change uh, in her life. And you think about it this way. One day she's an obscure uh, teenage girl from a town that not a whole lot of people outside of that town had heard of, and she's engaged to be married, she's planning her wedding, and the next day she's pregnant with the Son of God. And uh, the changes, the challenges, uh, the turning point that was occurring in her life. And when you think about people who needed uncommon courage, Mary was clearly uh, one of those people. And as I was thinking about Mary's situation, I started looking back on my own life and looking at the turning points that had occurred uh, in my life over the years. And, and some of those were planned, some of those were expected, others, others of those were completely unplanned, completely unexpected. But whether they were planned or unplanned, uh, they, needed, they required courage. I needed courage uh, to deal with those situations. So for example, the decision to get married uh, was not unexpected. Obviously, that was something uh, that I had planned to do and that Anne and I had talked about. And, and marrying Anne was one of the greatest decisions in my life, an extraordinarily positive, really good turning point in my life. But it's obviously required a, a great deal of courage, not the least of which is, uh, you know, as I face my own selfishness and I realize that uh, life does not revolve around me and there's this other person, my wife, whose needs I have to think about and consider. And then children, of course, come into the world and you've got to think about them uh, and, and their needs. Some years ago, I made a shift from engineering into a full-time ministry. And that was, again, it was something that was planned. It's something that Ann and I had talked about and prayed about for, for a number of years. But moving from a pretty promising career, a pretty secure career in a Fortune 50 company. I was moving up the ladder and, and getting promotions and getting more and more responsibility. Moving from that to going off to graduate school, not knowing how I was going to completely pay for that, not knowing where after I graduated from seminary where I was going to end up and what kind of ministry uh, I was going to be able to be in, that took some courage, stepping out into the unknown and trusting God and seeing where he was going to lead, not knowing exactly where he was going to lead. Having, unexpe- uh, having children was not unexpected. We had planned it, yet any of you who have been parents know that planned or unplanned, having children is an unbelievably challenging uh, opportunity and blessing, but it's challenging and it requires courage. I never expected that one morning my youngest daughter would wake up and be unable to get out of bed and stand up because she was so dizzy. She just couldn't stand up. And that, that precipitated a period of several months where we really had no idea what was wrong with her, debilitating headaches and dizziness and fatigue and inability to think. 
and for me, as her father, just the, the helplessness of watching her suffer through this undiagnosed disease, just the courage, the, the faith that it required to continue on, realizing that from a human perspective, other than pray for her, take her to doctors who didn't seem to know what, were, what was really happening, there wasn't anything that I could do for her. But the courage that it required for me as her father paled in comparison to the courage that it required for her to go through this period of time not knowing what was going on. And then after being diagnosed with Lyme disease to endure a period of about nine months of of dozens of supplements, antibiotics, all sorts of different things to help her to make it through this and the courage that it required for her to go through this. I never expected to wake up one morning a couple of years ago and realize that I had just hit the proverbial wall. I was burned out, could barely get out of bed. And the courage that it took really to wake up in the morning and realize that I had to get out of bed and I had to do what I needed to do to care for my family, to do my job and and, and those sorts of things if you've never experienced a period of of burnout or deep depression, sometimes just getting out of bed requires unbelievable courage. And for me, that was one of the most challenging times in my life and one of the times that required some of the greatest courage uh, and faith in God. It was one of the biggest challenges that I had ever had to face. And we all have those turning points in our lives We all face significant challenges. Sometimes they're expected. Sometimes they're unexpected. Sometimes they're good, like a promotion at work. That can be good, but it's still challenging because with the blessing maybe of a raise or a a better title comes extra responsibility, and you realize, I've got to step it up a notch. And so that can be challenging. It can require courage to do that. The birth of a child, again, a great blessing that brings with it Uh, extra challenges. And other times the challenges we face seem to be bad. Uh, Maybe it's an illness or the loss of a loved one or the breakup of a marriage and you have to ask yourself, how can I go on in this situation? Where do I find the courage to face these new challenges that God is allowing to come into my life? But whether they're expected or unexpected, good or bad, we need the courage to face these challenges. And the question is, where do we find that courage? Where do we find the ability, the strength, the faith to go on and to trust God through the challenging situations that we face. And I want us to take a look at uh, a closer look at Mary's story this morning because when you compare Mary's situation to most of the ones that we face, hers is even greater. Hers required even more uncommon courage uh, than the situations that I faced. So I want us to look at her situation and see what we can glean from that. And her story is recorded in uh, the biography of Jesus that is written by a man called Luke. And in Luke chapter 1, he writes, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Uh, Nazareth was a little bit outside of Jerusalem. Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, probably uh, her cousin, So the angel came to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this must be. Think about that for a second. 
how, how many times have you had an angel just kind of show up at your door, knock at your door, carrying a telephone, interestingly, that was, that was kind of a little bit different, and say, greetings, you who are highly favored. I mean, imagine Mary's response. Obviously, she's going to be kind of puzzled. She's going to be frightened. She's trying to figure out what's going on here because it's not an everyday occurrence that an angel's going to show up at your door. And so Mary had a pretty good reason to be afraid. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive, you'll give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. Well, that clears things up, right? Okay, now I'm not, no, you know, she gets over the shock of the angel appearing at her door and he says, hey, by the way, you're going to get pregnant and the child that you're going to have is going to be uh, the son of God. Think about that for just a minute. Put yourself in, in, in Mary's shoes in her, in her place for a minute. Obviously, she's going to be afraid in this situation. How would you like to be pregnant, not being married, and being told that the baby that you're going to have is the Son of God? And if you step back for a minute and you think about it, in our culture today, in the 21st century, it's challenging enough to be pregnant. It's challenging enough to be pregnant out of wedlock. But in that particular culture, if you're pregnant and you're not married, it's unbelievably scandalous. What are her friends going to say? What's her family going to say? What's her fiancé going to say? One of the other gospel writers, one of the other biographers of Jesus, says that Joseph, her fiancé, seriously considered whether he was going to call off the wedding. But as we saw in the video, an angel appeared to him, told him, hey, it's okay. I, I know what's going on. This is planned You need to trust me and continue with the marriage. But at the time when the angel appeared to her, Mary didn't know that. And so she's afraid of the situation. And then you have to ask yourself this question. What kind of a mother is she going to be? You know, she wasn't planning to get pregnant at that point. So she's got the fear, just the normal fear of being a mother, of having a child. But then she's not just going to be a mother of of any child. She's going to be a mother of the son of God. And who can be prepared for that? So when Mary's looking at the situation, it's unbelievable amount of fear that she must have been encountering at that point. But she also didn't understand what was going on. Verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Mary obviously understood the basic techniques of human reproduction. Uh, What she didn't understand is how is she going to get pregnant by herself first of all, with no husband involved? And secondly, how is her child going to be God's son? How is she going to become the mother of the son of God? And so the angel answers and he says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. I don't know how much the angel's explanation really helped Mary to understand what was going on. I have a feeling that even after that, Mary really didn't understand what was happening. But as we'll see in, in a few minutes, 
her lack of understanding and her fear, both of which were very, very real, her lack of understanding and her fear didn't keep her from trusting God. The angel told Mary that God was going to do the impossible. Everybody knows it takes two people to make a baby, and nobody has ever been pregnant with the Son of God before. These things are impossible. But as Gabriel said to Mary, verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. So step back for a second and kind of look at the big picture here. We've got a teenage girl. She's engaged to be married. She's probably planning her wedding. If they sent out invitations in, in, in those days, she was probably sending out invitations for the wedding. And out of nowhere, an angel appears to her and says she's going to be pregnant. Not just regular pregnant, but son of God type pregnant. She can't run out to the store and pick up a copy of what to expect when you're expecting with the special when my son is going to be the son of God supplementary chapter, you know, at the end there. No one can tell her how to deal with this situation. And so the question is, where is she going to turn? Where is she going to find the courage that she needs to face that situation? Put yourself in her place for a minute. How, how, how would you expect Mary to respond? Excuse me, uh, Gabriel, Mr. Angel, sir. I'm wondering if maybe you've got the wrong address. I think you want the woman down the street. She's a little more experienced with having children than I am. You know, maybe she's going to respond in a way like that. Or maybe she's going to say, do I have a choice in this matter? Is this an option that you're giving me? Or are you requiring me to do this? Maybe on the more positive side, she's going to say something like, no problem, I got this. I can handle this one. Thanks a bunch, Gabe. You can go your way and uh, we'll take care of it from here, you know. Maybe she'd have that kind of response. That's kind of a, a common courage response. It's also a pretty stupid response because when you think about it, there is no way she could handle that situation. Yet sometimes when we're faced with these impossible situations, we say, no problem, I got this one. We don't realize our inability. We don't look to God for the strength and for the power and the courage to deal with these things. Mary could have said any one of those or a number of other things, but she didn't. Instead, look at what she says here in verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Okay, I trust you. Let it be to me as you have said. And I chose that particular translation, let it be to me according to your word. It's a very awkward translation, but I chose it intentionally because what it's showing is she's saying, okay, I trust you. You've got this. She says, I'm your servant. She recognizes her humility, her smallness in, in, in the face of this unbelievably challenging situation. And she says, okay, you do it your way. God, I trust you. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that you do, so I'm going to follow you. Mary's God was big. Mary herself was small. And that was the key. That was the source of her uncommon courage. Big God plus small me equals uncommon courage. 
Mary's God is big. Mary recognizes her smallness and her inadequacy. And when she does and when she looks to that big God, the one who's able to do what she is unable to do, that's where she finds the source of her courage. And right after this, she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, the one who had become, in a sense, miraculously pregnant in her old age, well beyond the the age of childbearing. Maybe Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth because she wanted to get away from all the people around her. Maybe she went to her cousin Elizabeth because she knew that of anybody, perhaps Elizabeth had a little bit of an understanding of what Mary was going through. And when she arrived... Elizabeth, she's pregnant. Elizabeth at this point is pregnant with John the Baptist, the the guy who's actually going to be one who's going to announce the coming of the Messiah. And so John the Baptist, interestingly, was a cousin of Jesus from that perspective. And so Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. And when Mary, who's now pregnant with Jesus, comes into Elizabeth's house, John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb And Elizabeth confers a blessing on Mary and tells her what an amazing blessing it is that the mother of the Messiah has come into her household. And Mary responds with a hymn or a song or a poem that we know today as the Magnificat. And that that word Magnificat is the first word in the Latin translation of this hymn or this poem or this song Uh, that Mary responded with. And people like Vivaldi and Bach have set this to music. And so if you come from a more liturgical church background, perhaps you've heard the Magnificat sung. And so there's some beautiful renditions of it. And so as we read through it, what I want you to, to do is look for Mary's humility. Look for where she sees herself as small. And then look for where she sees the greatness of God where she sees him as big and as good and as merciful and as caring for her. God's big and Mary's small, and she sings about it in the Magnificat. Verse 46 of Luke chapter 1. My soul glorifies, or my soul magnifies the Lord, Mary says, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary's looking at this. Yes, the question, was Mary willing in this? Yeah, absolutely, because she's saying, from now on, all generations are going to call me blessed. Why? Because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Here we are 2,000 years later, talking about Mary and the blessing that God conferred on her and the courage that he gave her because she saw herself as small and she saw him as big. She continues, she says, his mercy extends to those who fear him. And a few weeks ago, we talked about the fear of God as one of the keys uh, to uncommon courage. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. He's scattered the proud, but he's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary is saying that God is big, I'm small, and this is 
This is who God is. He's a great, loving, powerful, merciful, kind God who pours out his blessings on those who are humble before him, those who recognize their own smallness, their own need, and his greatness and his power and his goodness and his awesomeness. Mary's God was big and she was small, and that's why she had uncommon courage. Big God plus small me equals uncommon courage. And when I look back on the the various challenges of, of my life, I can see that when I didn't get that, when I tried to be big, and when I saw God as small, or at least didn't see him as big, that's when I didn't do so well. That's why, as I look on, back on it, that's why I burned out, at least in part, because I was trying to do what only God could do. I was trying to live in my own strength rather than looking to him, rather than trusting him, rather than seeing him as big. I saw myself as big or at least bigger than I really was. And so I ended up burning out because I was trying to do what God never created me to do. But when I recognize that God is big and that I'm small, that I don't have what it takes to do what, it, what he is calling me to do, that when I realize that common courage isn't always enough, that I need him, that was when I began to recover from my, from my burnout. Seeing God as big and, and myself as small, that was a key to recovering from my burnout. When I, when I or when you, when we look at situations and we see ourselves as big, then I don't see that we don't see our need to trust in God. And so we don't trust in him. Why? Because we can handle this. We got it. I got it, God. It's okay. I'll let you know when I need you. But for now, why don't you just wait and I'll take care of this situation. Sounds kind of stupid when I stand up here and say that, but I do it again and again and again in my own life. And if you guys are like me and I expect that you are, we all do that. Or when I don't think that God can handle a situation or when I don't think that I'm going to like the way that he's going to handle a situation or when I don't think that he has my best interest at heart, then I'm not going to trust him either. Then I'm going to push him to the sideline. Then I'm going to see him as small and I'm not going to trust him. Again, I'm going to look to myself rather than to him. But when I realize that God never created me to act independently of him, when I realize that I was created to be dependent on the God of the universe, then I'm going to see him as big. I'm going to see myself as small. I'm going to turn to him and I'm going to say, okay, God, I can't handle this on my own. I need you I trust you, and that's when I'm, gonna, when I'm going to find that uncommon courage that I need to face the challenges of my life. Not because it's inherent in me, but because it's inherent in him, and I'm looking to the one whom I know can meet my needs in whatever situation life throws at me. Big God plus small me equals uncommon courage. 
Let me ask you a few questions here. I want to ask a few questions that I, that I need to ask myself really on a regular basis to help us to kind of apply these things to our life. First question, what turning points or challenges are you facing in your life? Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's getting married. Maybe it's having children. Maybe it's a move to a new, new place, new house, new city, new part of the country, new part of the world. What turning points or challenges are you facing in your life? Secondly, how well do you really think you can handle those turning points or those challenges? Be honest. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody else. Just be honest between yourself and God. God, I got this. I don't need you. I'm okay on this one. You know, you can stay on the sidelines or no, I'm not so sure that I can handle this one completely on my own. I would really appreciate you being involved in this situation. Another way of looking at it, where do you think you need courage? What situations are you facing in which you think you need courage? Where do you think you don't need courage because it's a pretty mundane, pretty regular situation? And the question I want to ask you there is, really? You really don't need courage in this situation? You really think you can handle this entirely on your own and you don't need help with that? The big ones, absolutely. Those huge turning points in your life, absolutely. But what about the small ones? Just ask yourself that question again, just between you and God. Because when we see ourselves as big and when we see God as small, we're in a pretty precarious situation because that's not how God designed us to be. He designed us to be dependent on him and not to live independently of him. And I know from my own experience, when I get that backwards, when I'm big and when God is small, that's when I get in trouble. So if you see yourself as big, let me just challenge you, let me just encourage you to pray this prayer. Ask God, say, Lord, show me how big or actually how small I really am. Help me to see the size that I really am. That prayer takes some courage because you realize God might show you your smallness and he might show you your needs. So let me again, let me encourage and challenge you to do that. Or if you don't see God as big or maybe you don't see him as caring. You see him as big, but you see him as aloof, as distant, as uninvolved, as not caring about the little details of your life. Maybe he's not caring about the big details of your life. Take some time and pray and say, Lord, show me how big, how great, how awesome, how powerful you are, and show me how caring, how compassionate, how loving you really are. Ask him to show you that you can trust him because he's trust, trustworthy, because he's faithful, because he's powerful. This weekend, we're celebrating our independence as a nation, and I'm incredibly grateful for the freedom that we have to meet here this morning. It's a freedom that many have fought and died for, and we're celebrating our independence. We're celebrating our freedom But let's remember 
even in the midst of our celebration of our independence, that we're not independent of God. We may be independent of Great Britain, but we're not independent of God. God created us to need him. He's big, we're small, and he created us to look to him to meet our needs. Mary understood that, and that was the source of her uncommon courage. She recognized that she didn't have what it took to do what God was calling her to do. She knew that she didn't have what it took, but she knew that God did. And so she trusted him, and that's why she had the courage to say yes when God said to her, I want you to be the mother of my son. Big God plus small me equals uncommon courage. Let's pray. Father, it is so challenging at times. It is so challenging when we face turning points in our lives, when we face the unexpected. Sometimes when we face things that we've planned and we realize that we don't have it, what it takes, it is so challenging for us. And I pray that in the midst of those obvious challenges, we would see you big. We would see ourselves as small. We would turn to you. We would trust you and that we would find hope and peace and courage to face the situations that life brings our way. But Father, I also pray that in the everyday situations that we face, in the day-to-day normalcy of life, I pray that we would realize that you are still big and we are still small and that we still need you. So I pray that you would show us your greatness and your power and your awesomeness and your love. And I pray that you would show us your need for you. And as you do, I pray that our trust in you would grow. And as it does, I pray that you would give us the courage that we need to face the challenges that are brought into our lives. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks you guys for coming out this morning. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon.